Three, two, one. Go ahead. <laughs> I thought you were doing it. No, I don't want to. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to One Street Over. Um, I'm Bryce, and we are recording again for the first time in six weeks. And today, it's just me and Mike. Hello. And you can probably tell from the great audio quality, but we're at a new location. <laughs> yeah, there's some reverb, maybe. Yeah, we're in my new house. Yay. That was that was pretty cringe. <laughs> Yay, Mike. <laughs> there's no He bought a house. There's no non-cringy way to just say I got a house. But yeah, I'm a first-time homeowner and uh, we're set up in my office. And it's a lot quieter um and cooler than my apartment, so that's that's definitely a plus. Oh yeah, it is quiet and we don't have to Shut off the AC, right? <laughs> to record, because <laughs> it would turn on and sound like a warp engine. Um, so what? You've been here a month, almost. Yeah, only a month. It feels like I've been here for a long time. Really? I mean, I've been working on this house f- since September, so it's been like two months. But it is. Um, this is my grandfather's old house, uh, so I. It feels like. How familiar. different is it now from when your grandpa lived here? Um, it's, it's very different. The room we're in now used to be a bedroom and it's now an office. I changed all the floors from carpet to, uh, laminate flooring. It's like a very open concept now, which made a small house that it was look a lot bigger. So it's, uh, it's coming along looking cozy. Yeah. I like it a lot. I've been hanging out here. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) Um, so to do a quick shout out to our listeners, we received an email about the book of homilations, which uh, one of our listeners sent in and thought it would be funny because um, it's kind of along the lines of the bro code slash girl code episode that we did a few months ago. And it's this thing that I don't know, I'm guessing high schoolers came up with and <laughs> they wrote basically their own Bible of all these weird things that boys would say to each other in uh in high school so you want to read so there it's called the book of formulations but there's literally just one verse (laughs) in the entire book (laughs) one verse with 160 something segments (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you want to read i I thought that it was the the list were like verses but for some reason they just have the one one at the beginning and then never do that again <laughs> yeah well it's like commandments almost yeah i guess so uh so we did, we just kind of wrote down our favorite ones as we were reading well, wait i want to read the i'll read it then okay so it's homulations one one in the beginning there were the boys and the boys were with the boys and the boys were for the boys <laughs> In the beginning, the Saturdays were for the boys. In the beginning were the boys, and the boys were pure and just, yet not at one. (laughs) That's so repetitive. Yeah, it's just... (laughs) I mean, it's an obvious... uh, I don't know. They took directly from John 1-1, which is like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. (laughs) And so they just took straight from that and turned it into the boys. So was this inspired um, and sent to us because of the we talked a little bit about the girl code and yeah. bro code? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So we wrote down a few of our favorites as we were reading through this, um, starting with number three because we actually 
uh we actually made a comment on this in our our podcast about going like certain guys going for bryce's sister yeah and vice versa and stuff like that so it's just like uh number three is or verse three i guess if one bro has a sister no other bro shall make any attempt to be with said sister (laughs) which i don't know if people actually follow that now but i think it's a good standard to have i think your friend from college <laughs> marrying your sister is like an exception uh-huh. but i think i think most of the time it's a good standard to have because it'll usually end up in drama um so what was the other one uh 38 was next 38 <laughs> if they have blue hair thou shalt beware yeah that's <laughs> i mean that's just a common joke like blue-haired women are like <laughs> probably liberal <laughs> i would <laughs> probably crazy i think i actually would i like i would like a girl with like blue hair but if it was only if it was like longer if it was like a pixie cut and blue i'd be a little bit worried that's what uh the girl has in the movie scott pilgrim versus the world hers is not a pixie cut and i think she's attractive so that's why i said i'm attracted to the color <laughs> um next was 109 or no 96 any simp shall be punished by exclusion from the next hangout unless the simp has already repented Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) and this one made me laugh so hard i'm not gonna go into explain what a simp is you can google that yourself but like (laughs) it's just it's so true that like if you have a, a homie that like just like he'll cancel on you to be with a girl you're just like all right you're out (laughs) you just kind of like i guess cancel culture him at that point (laughs) but it only lasts a little while he'll always be accepted back (laughs) i mean that's one thing the guys are really good at is like forgetting (laughs) yeah and just like moving on pretty quickly from whatever happened in the past so that's probably why it's only it only lasts like one day (laughs) yeah uh 109 is if in a group of three on a narrow walkway all three must feel and be included do not leave one behind um i like this one because i that always freaking happens to me where like we'll be in a group of three and two will be walking next to each other and i'm just kind of lagging behind Mm -hmm. and i feel i feel so alone (laughs) i always feel really self-conscious if i'm in the middle i'm like so now I'm at the point where I don't want to be in the middle ever because it's like I at least have freedom to leave if I want. <laughs> <laughs> and then didn't we have one more? Uh, two more. 128. 128. Oh, thou does not read a book twice and expect a different ending. Therefore, thou shalt not go back to an ex and expect not to break up. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's decent advice. It's pretty well written. Um, but I mean, that's been like a standard of mine is like anyone that I break up with, there was a reason. And so I don't want to end up thinking about that reason again if I were to date them. So why go back and date them again? Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, it was 149. Any bro that shall seek for a possible queen must divide their age by two and add seven. The numbers shall represent the minimum age of a queen's they may seek. 
rule may vary. <laughs> like from in parentheses. Uh, I mean, that's somebody told me that in I don't know, like probably sophomore year of high school. So when we were fifteen, and you know, when you're fifteen, it's like divide by two and add seven, and you get fourteen and a half. Yeah. So it's like okay, you can date anyone, but then as you get like to senior year, you're basically excluded from dating freshman and sophomore because they would have to be 18 divided by two plus seven which would be 16 so it's like it's just preventing guys from dating younger girls yeah it's a good rule it should be it should actually be in the constitution (laughs) (laughs) should be in law yeah it should be in law (laughs) all right um we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about pyramid schemes So, had you ever heard of LuLaRoe? I have not, until you told me to watch the documentary. (laughs) Well, the same was true for me. I had never heard of it until Maria told me to watch this documentary. So, you gave me like two hours worth of homework just for this podcast. (laughs) But I actually like, it did suck me in. Uh, This is a documentary called Lula Rich on Amazon and or amazon prime or whatever and it was uh yeah it's like pretty interesting the way they um present this whole like um business <laughs> slash pyramid scheme of well i mean you said it earlier it's also called an mlm yeah multi-level marketing and so this is um this is kind of our episode three on pyramid schemes slash uh multi-level marketing slash what was it our first episode it was like direct what's that term oh man (laughs) direct what's our episode two (laughs) i don't i don't listen to my podcast (laughs) well neither do i but i guess i can find it real quick on my so handy dandy podcast app episode two is called Direct multi-level marketing pyramid schemes. <laughs> oh, so it's just all the <laughs> Everything it's together. All it. Mashed up. So, Bryce, why do you keep bringing up pyramid schemes and wanting to talk about them? That was my first question when you told me to do, like watch this documentary. Well, one, I found it extremely entertaining. And two, it validated every opinion I've ever had about pyramid schemes. With, like, the people in the show literally saying what people outside of Pyramid Schemes usually say about people in Pyramid Schemes. And then... But also, I like the idea of starting your own business. And they had a really good business and an idea for business and a product that, like, actually sold. And, like, the product sold itself. They didn't really need the people but then they just kind of got corrupted by greed and wanting to make more money and trap more people and then that's how it kind of turned into a pyramid scheme but anyway back to the question i like the idea of starting your own business and it's good to see how not to run a business and to see how people have like failed to do it in the past yeah so that's what i liked yeah it was interesting to see how like it didn't feel or sound like a pyramid scheme um like at the beginning but then like 
towards the end it definitely was and just to give people an update uh, or some back story lularoe is a clothing company that started with like was it like dresses or just like um she kind of started it with maxi skirts maxi skirts right um deanne and what's her name his name mark mark yeah um were the founders and then like it eventually grew in like three years it went from like one million to like Three, well so they three billion dollars they started in like 2013 or 2014 and then like they were slowly growing and then in 2016 like they just kind of exploded after people took it on to facebook live and then they went from yeah it was like 90 million dollars in sales in 2016 to 3.2 or sorry not sales it was 90 million dollars in revenue to 3.2 billion dollars in revenue in 2019 you made a clarification between sales and revenue yeah because they brought in that money they didn't necessarily make that money selling their actual product and this is why in this documentary they're being sued (laughs) i think they're still being sued by probably different people yeah in the documentary they're getting sued by the state of washington for well, yeah, the state is suing them for establishing a pyramid scheme in the state of Washington. And I think there were other states that were possibly moving towards suing them because I think you could sue anywhere where they had a retailer, which was just a woman selling clothes out of her car or her house. And so anywhere where they did business, you could technically get sued in that state. Yeah, and it was just strange that well (laughs) (laughs) never mind my brain's (laughs) stalled um one of the things that you brought up was how what was the question that you had oh so i said yeah this uh, sorry this is what i was gonna say it was strange that like it didn't seem like she wanted it to be a pyramid scheme at first so i said did they purposely make it a pyramid scheme or was it that they just like make so many wrong decisions that it, they accidentally got there but i'm kind of thinking that mark was the mastermind behind that yeah and we can get into bring up mark later because there was some interesting stuff about him in the podcast it was like briefly mentioned and i kind of wish they had done more on it right but it kind of went away from the whole focus on LuLaRoe. right but yeah to start she started the company like you said selling maxi skirts and was selling them out of her car and then she some woman was like oh can i buy like 20 of them and give them to my friends and she was like oh well how about you just buy 50 from me for 10 dollars each and then you can go sell them to your friends for 20 dollars or 25 dollars each and then you make 60 percent profit or something like that and so um they liked that idea and then she just so it said like whatever year that was it was like number of retailers one (laughs) and then like that number of retailers just slowly kept going up and up and up i i laughed because yeah i wrote this down too i was like how did it go from having a friend buy 20 skirts out of her trunk to forcing someone to sign on by 
spending $5,000 as a sign-on um, fee to buy $5,000 just to get like your product to you and then like you have to sell all this stuff they give you i was like we skipped a few chapters here man <laughs> well like, not not necessarily because in the world of like fast food you can you can own a franchise of like mcdonald's by paying a franchise fee of like ten thousand dollars and then you've entered an agreement with mcdonald's and then you know they'll build the building but then you're in charge of it as like a franchisee so you kind of own that business and maybe it's not just maybe mcdonald's not so much anymore but like jazzercise is the same way where like you can open your own jazzercise but you have to there's a buy-in cost to run that business so it's kind of the same thing okay. where like you buy in and then you're getting access to the company's resources to help you support and establish and build your build your own business and kind of like their name brand yeah and you're so just like people are recognizing like oh you're selling lularoe not just random clothing. yeah okay. so it's it's not an it's not uncommon to like have that buy-in cost but and here's the definition of pyramid scheme which is why it became a pyramid scheme was pyramid schemes are based on a business model that recruits members via a promise of payments or services for enrolling others into the scheme. And so let me see, there was another definition where the majority of the revenue is made by recruiting new participants rather than selling product, which is why LuLaRoe became a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and then with, Oh, and here, here adding on to that, the returns from sales are given to earlier participants using money contributed by later ones. So like that whole paying, paying the person who recruited you, basically a portion of your profits is what makes it a pyramid scheme. Um, yeah. Cause they kept pounding, uh, the, when they're interviewing the founders, like, um, how much money were you making from sales? And they'd be like, I'm not answering that. And then they're like, how much money were you making from bonus checks? And they're like, not answering that. <laughs> and so it's like, or no, they were asking a retailer that. And she's just like, how much did you make from selling clothes? And it was like way less than what she was making from these bonus checks for signing people on. And she's just like not responding because she knew it was different and that's like and then mark the found, the guy was always like he would always be like we sell a product it's like okay <laughs> it's like we sell a product people want and it's like yeah but that's not how you're making your money <laughs> yeah and the problem was that you sell goods well i hate that and so even the people who were like really high up and were making money off of all the people that they recruited i'm i'm pretty sure they still had to pay like however much I'm like you were required to buy almost a thousand dollars worth of inventory a month just to continue to be, I don't know. And like listed as a retailer to get like bonus checks. So every single month, everybody's buying inventory and then they have to like try and clear it out. And that's just like, okay, but now people aren't actually buying the product for the product. You're just forcing them to buy the product to continue to be like listed as an employee 
it's not like what Amway does <laughs> where you just sign up and then you kind of buy product from them and then you can sell it as your own business, but you just sell until you need more product. You don't have to like buy on a monthly basis to stay right employed. But I feel like there that um the MLM specialist in the documentary, I don't remember his name, but he was talking about how pyramid schemes always like just change. They never go away, they just change. And it's like Amway's been around for so long and they've been sued so many times that they've like morphed so many times to this like perfect pyramid MLM <laughs> thing. <laughs> so it's like it's like, yeah, they've learned, oh yeah, we can't force people to buy product. So we won't force them to do it, but we're still gonna like have them buy our product and like never really be able to make enough to and still have these like chains of people where it's like literally a pyramid they're still encouraging you to recruit more people underneath you and not like so your incentive is more to recruit and not to sell product um that's oh so one of the man there was one other thing that really bothered me about um the show Oh, and it was how, like, they talked about women and, like, all these women were encouraged to do it out of their car or do it out of their garage and be doing part-time work as a stay-at-home mom and you can still have time with your kids and your family, but you can, like, help support your family. And then... Yeah, your schedule, your way, and all this stuff. But then they had to, like keep buying product and then that just makes all these women have to work more to sell it to justify all the expenses that they're doing every month to stay on with LuLaRoe and it was just like all these women were like yeah I was just working so much and yeah. like I was just non-stop working and it, then they brought their husbands in and then their whole family was like basically a part of it and for some of them it went really well until more and more dirt came out on like the people who started it and they were just like i don't feel comfortable with this anymore yeah you had to be in the right place in the right time and really the only the only people that came out on top were the ones that started early Mm -hmm. so all the like the last people that signed on were just like losing money and then they quickly like once they reached like ninety thousand retailers or was it 900 they got into the 80 or ninety thousands for re- number of retailers it was about ninety thousand, and then it just dropped <laughs> like i feel like it was more than that wasn't it no no it was only it was like that. only like eighty nine thousand, i think and i looked it up <laughs> so there were eighty nine thousand retailers of lularoe and i'm guessing that was probably 95 percent of that was in the u.s and then there are currently less than fifty thousand mcdonald's in the world (laughs) and it was like why do we need ninety thousand retailers of lularoe in the u.s and there's less than fifty thousand mcdonald's worldwide like that's why pyramid schemes are unsustainable because they require constant growth in order to like sustain and keep the people on and then so after 2019 that ninety thousand like quickly dropped off to I don't know. I think it's down in like, there might be still like 10,000 LuLaRoe retailers because they kind of kicked 
a lot of the people out of the company who were uh, members of the what's their last name um i don't remember <laughs> i don't even remember their last name but their family was huge like they had right they had like 14 kids because they were mormons um, Stid stidham stidham oh yeah stidham so they like picked a bunch of the Stidham family out and now the business is like still there, but it just has such a bad reputation that I don't know that anyone really buys it. Yeah. And the product changed too. Like the reason why the product sold itself at the beginning was because the material and the fabric that they used was so soft, I guess, and comfortable, which was why all these women wanted it. And then as time went on and they were forced to make more and more product, like the materials just got cheaper and cheaper and the just the designs like too. apart. It was so interesting hearing about it, the designer who like was like, yeah, we just copied stuff off of Google and changed it a little bit because we had to like make so many designs, like a thousand designs every a hundred, a hundred designs a day. Yeah. Which is like, when you think about it, it's like, Oh, a hundred a day. That's not bad. I could write a hundred paragraphs a day. <laughs> But then it's like, wait, like if I want to make one design good, it'll probably take an hour. And it's like, oh, that's only like eight. <laughs> and then it's like a hundred. <laughs> now you're talking very little amounts of time Yeah, to do a design. And then they ran out of storage. So they're storing stuff, clothing outside. It got wet and moldy. And then they would ship it to the people buying the product. And that was the worst thing is like these women would buy products and they had no choice on what they were getting. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my sister about uh, LuLaRoe, and she's like, yeah, I had a friend who did that. She said it was terrible because she would always get, like, the worst um, designs and couldn't sell them. And I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it, Like, that, that part of their business model, though, actually was really, like, brilliant. Like, the fact that they had new designs all the time and the fact that they... At the beginning, they had prints that were desired, and then there would be only, I think he said like 3,000 of those prints made, and then they would stop printing that print onto shirts and pants, and then they would move on to another one. And so like there were these really rare pants, and if like if you happen to get a pair of those in your shipment, then you could sell those for more, which was like brilliant because it created demand for certain things and then it made people who had it feel exclusive and then you want to like try and find the next one so it was like a brilliant idea of creating interest in the product but then then i think they just had too many like designs it's like a gotcha game in a pyramid scheme or like you know if they even if they just came out with new designs every every week week or something then that would be better than a new print basically every five minutes which is what it equaled down to because if you have 10 designers doing 100 designs a day that's way too many designs (laughs) yeah i was just like laughing because so the the company targeted they mentioned this like the the demographic they were targeting and it was stay-at-home moms mm-hmm. but it was also like white moms mostly blonde like kind of chubby <laughs> like they all it showed like pictures of of the like 
LuLaRoe parties um, where they would go and like get hyped up about selling their products. And it was just like everyone looked the same. <laughs> so <laughs> weird. <laughs> but like, yeah, I was always thinking that um, pyramid schemes were more towards young couples, which I guess it still kind of is. This LuLaRoe is more for like stay at home moms. Mm-hmm. It was like, a lot of moms in their like 30s and 40s. Other pyramid schemes will go for like young couples and who are like just starting out and they want to get married, but they like don't have enough money. And so it's like, oh, here's a get rich quick thing. Yeah, I don't really know. Like pyramid schemes probably don't start with the intention of being a pyramid scheme. But then it's interesting that it like things just morph into a pyramid scheme somehow. Because you, like you said earlier, it's greed. And I think um, Deanne and... Uh, I think it was Mark especially. Mark especially were uh, just trying to get rich quick. And they're like, what's the fastest way we can do this? And it's by ma- forcing people to recruit more sellers and making them buy our product. So, yeah, it, it was just all greed, basically. And so back to Mark, he he was really like scary honestly because he they showed him at a couple of the conferences that they had and he basically they said that he so they were both mormon and he kind of thought that he was this new like saint in the mormon faith that was like gonna be the new joseph smith essentially and so he would turn LuLaRoe conference parties into like mormon preaching (laughs) it was like what that's disturbing and then the whole and then they would like promote it was like yeah women start your business and then once it gets to be at a point where it can sustain your family you need to hand the authority over to your husband and let him run the business because you should be taking care of your kids so it was like this weird female empowerment idea of like start your own business but then subliminal messaging of like your husband's in charge and you have to do everything that he says yeah (laughs) so then a lot of the women didn't realize it until they were out of the business but by then it was do you remember you're the girl she said to find a new husband or something like that oh so this whole like make making your husband retire uh was like a idea ideology they passed around mm-hmm. and it was like what, what you just said like let the husband like make so much money that you're supporting the kids however in doing that you have to work your butt off like 60 hours or more and then then let your husband quit his job or make him quit his job so that because you're making enough with LuLaRoe so then the family's completely dependent on LuLaRoe mm-hmm. and then the husband's taking over because apparently that's the Mormon way and then and so this one girl was just like we make enough i don't need to make any more with LuLaRoe, and i don't want my husband to kick to quit his job because he has a good job and she's like then you need to find a new husband who's going to support you or something like that and it's like whoa (laughs) (laughs) and then they got into that reminds me they got into like going down to mexico and like getting um these surgeries that would like help you lose weight (laughs) And that Deanne, like, got the surgery and then she was telling these other, like, high-up women that they needed to go get the surgery because they needed to look, I don't know, skinnier. Yeah. And it was like, what? This is, like, really weird. Getting weird. (laughs) 
I don't know what the cult. <laughs> I don't know what her plans were or intentions were behind that. But the getting skinny thing. I have yeah. No idea. Like she was extremely fat though. Like <laughs> in the interview, like four years later after she got skinny from the surgery, because she probably when you get a gastric um, sleeve, mm-hmm. uh, you're not you're supposed to eat well, but people like her just don't listen and then they eat bad again and then they get fat again and then you're just stuck (laughs) (laughs) so it doesn't actually help you lose weight unless you maintain yeah like it'll make you lose weight at first but then you have to like maintain that diet and then no one does so (laughs) because what does it wear off or something i don't know you just start storing carbs again i think i don't know exactly the science behind it i just i think i've heard before like people get these surgeries but then it just backfires because they don't eat right (laughs) seems like it might help you lose weight fast initially yeah and then kind of goes away (laughs) she looked like misshapen when she she had the surgery like her proportions were just off (laughs) so but yeah she did this whole like gaslighting thing to all these women and it was like going back to um like when they would buy products but they had no choice in which ones they were getting and most retailers were getting crappy ones crappy designs she would just they would complain and then she would just be like you're just not like look at these other women that aren't complaining you're just not as good of a saleswoman as they are so stop complaining and try harder like you're the problem and then Eventually, they started support groups to try to figure out that they weren't crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But the interesting thing is that they would sell them on the idea of like, if you buy our product, you won't have to do anything because the product will sell itself. So you just need to have the product and then people will want to buy it from you. And then they got the product and they're like, nobody's buying my stuff. And they're like, it's your fault. (laughs) Yeah. You are a bad salesman. And it's like... This is the opposite of what you told me that the case would be. And then, yeah, they're basically gaslighting them into feeling terrible. And they're like, no, you just need to try harder. You need to come to more conferences and learn more about how to sell. And then you'll become rich. (laughs) And then they said that the conferences were not even, they had nobody teaching anyone how to be a salesperson. Yeah, I was going to say that zero training. It was just like women going up and then saying how much money they made it's just like parties and then they spent like five million dollars on Katy perry (laughs) to come to one of their things (laughs) or they had a cruise party yeah like a cruise party ship (laughs) a literal cruise and it was like a one-time event i think it was supposed to be once a year Uh i think for people who had earned it basically one of my favorite things in the show was so the lularoe icon or logo is a square and then a smaller square inside and then a smaller square inside and a smaller square inside. And it's like 10 layers deep. And then in the show, they just took the LuLaRoe uh, logo and they like, (laughs) it's like 2d image. And then they just flattened it out and then extruded all the layers and turned it into a pyramid. And I was like, that's so perfect. Well, even without that visual aid, like, the logo itself just looks like a top-down view of a pyramid yeah <laughs> and it <laughs> and looks then, like stairs and they had a um one of the like top tier um items you would get like a, like mm-hmm. a medallion was just a pyramid <laughs> like literally <laughs> <laughs> i 
I don't remember that. I get, I, I'm just thinking it. of the watch that there was the watch, but then there's something else of like being more. That was if you were a trainer, mm-hmm. which was like level three or, or like something. But then like two levels up more than that, like being like I don't remember what all the levels were called, but you, it was like a necklace that was like a triangle. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> They're not even hiding it. One of my one of the things that I want to mention is how how like brilliant the another scheme of theirs was which was so not only was their like idea for products pretty smart but the idea of turning it into a pyramid scheme was really smart where say i recruit you mike to sell lou LaRoe, and i'm already selling it and then another friend comes to me and says or like I'm selling it to somebody else, like our friend Paul. And then I'm like, oh, but Paul, don't, you're not going to sign up under me. You're going to sign up under Mike because it'll be better for me and it'll be better for Mike. And, uh, and then you'll be in. So like they had the pyramid scheme structure built into the incentivized into the way that people would hire into the company basically. So it was like me finding a new employee and then sending them to you to be under you made you feel good because you had someone under you. And then it also made me feel good because now it moved me up a level in the pyramid where I had two layers of people underneath me Yeah, and then so on and so forth. And like, you're always incentivized to like pass people down to your, the people below you Yep, to sign up. And it's like, so it's so clever because it seems like a win-win for everyone. But then in the end, it's just, more money being sent up to the top of the pyramid (laughs) rather than uh, staying with the people who actually sell the product. Yeah. It is crazy. I think the, like, disturbing thing to me is always the, like, crappy, generic, like, motivational things they say all the time. Oh, like, hashtag because LuLaRoe. That was the thing. There was, like, um... Uh, what was it girl, babe boss girl boss oh. <laughs> i think it was boss babe boss babe <laughs> that was stupid um and then it was like they showed like they're showing like someone's office space and they had sticky notes all over the place with like stupid taglines and the one that just made me laugh was what is your why <laughs> and i just was imagining the conference they went to and they're like had it a big bold on the screen like what is your why and it's like just this empty speech of like why are you doing this it's like because you want to have you want to support your family and like that's what you need to think about and go home and try harder it's like yeah i wanted to do this so i could take care of my kids and work from home and now i'm doing nothing but sell these stupid leggings (laughs) actually that reminds me of um like the prosperity gospel and why people will listen to a prosperity gospel preacher so much is because they're really good at storytelling. So they're like, have this biblical idea. And then the like, what is your why? <laughs> but I don't know. Think of something theological that that could apply to like, like Jonah and the whale. like find your Jesus or something. And it's like, instead of preaching the gospel, they'll be like, here's how I found Jesus. <laughs> and then they'll just tell this really good story about their entire life and what brought them to 
the church and what brought them to know Christ. And it, but it's all empty because they're not actually sharing the message. They're just sharing a personal story. And so like that, it reminded me of what you said, where they'll get up on stage and have this, like how to find your why. And then it'll just be somebody on stage telling a story about themselves yeah. and then never actually delivering anything to you as a, like to grow your business. <laughs> And it's yeah i hate those personal story things because it's like people listen to them and gobble it up and it's like they think it's motivation they think it's inspiration they think it's training and it's going to make them better and it's like you're you you don't gain anything from it like i actually heard a speech of for i think it was for amway and it was like a, a woman talking about her husband because their target like i said was like young couples and she was like we were unsure about our relationship and if we were going to get married but then like i saw how committed he was to the company and like that's what you should strive for and like like you could i don't know like really make yourself as a as a successful adult man like it was this weird love story between these two who joined this company at the same time and i was like what's the point of this (laughs) I, I just like it's ever since I heard that about like prosperity gospels and like people telling stories, it's like created this new light of like how I look at what people talk about. And like a lot of the people who like just tell stories end up, it's like they're not really telling stories. They're just telling stories about themselves because they like to talk about themselves. It's not like they're telling stories to share with you. It's they just like to talk about themselves. And I, I've realized that more and more, like there's so many people like that and they're just waiting for a time to talk when, (laughs) when they get to talk about themselves. (laughs) Cause a lot of times when people butt into a conversation, it's like, Oh yeah, that happened to me. And then they tell a story about it and it's like, well, there goes uh, the actual point of this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's people will be like oh they're just trying to relate and show you that they care about your experience because they have a similar experience it's like no (laughs) they just want to talk about themselves make them sound cooler well do you have any other ideas that you had from this um show um no i did just to like (laughs) something about the like the production of the documentary itself the people who made it i I found hilarious where they would always like have an interview an interviewee or whatever like say something kind of weird and then there would just be this awkward pause like they would just leave the camera on a little too long Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like you would just be like wow this is awkward and it's so funny (laughs) to me that they would do that and they would say like stupid stuff um and then there was the uh just how weird the family was from the get-go in the beginning of the whole thing they talked like they were mormon and then they talked about how many kids they had and they had all these like they adopted all these children and they're like and then this is our last son and he married our daughter (laughs) and they're immediately they're like it's not weird because they're not related and it's like that's the definition of weird (laughs) and you shouldn't do that (laughs) it's like perfect way to set up this family (laughs) yeah that they just look over everything and don't see what's wrong with the way they live their lives and the way that they treat other people. Yeah. 
I did one last thing that I can think of is that I really liked the guy who was like the nephew and he was put as like the director of marketing or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the director of marketing and production. And so he would basically get money for the conferences, for the crews, for the performers and try and find ways to get these women to come to the conferences. And he's like, I had no experience for any of this. There is no reason why I should be the VP of a $3 billion company. <laughs> yeah. And it's just blame. And then he kind of got like, I think he was on the show being honest because he like got kicked out of the company because of he like left for some reason. I don't really remember why. Yeah. He was like, he was like apparently having an affair with like one of the retailers but then he was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> and then, but they had already kicked him out and been like, we don't associate with him anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, he's, he's like, I'm not allowed to talk to my aunt anymore. <laughs> like they like got a restraining order on him or something. It's insane. You never did talk about though, about the Google doc thing. You told me that was like oh. your favorite thing. <laughs> so yeah, it was a guy who got hired into the company and he was a part of the like accounting and finance division and then he said when i was showed how this company kept their finances they showed me this google spreadsheet and it was like yeah you know everybody has their own row (laughs) in this spreadsheet and then you just need to put in your sales and your inventory And then he said that he got on his computer and opened up that spreadsheet and he could see like 30 different colored boxes of where everybody's uh, keys were. And so somebody would like scroll down and then click, but then somebody else had like added five rows. So then they clicked in somebody else's row and hit delete. And then like all this data would get lost because they had 30 people manipulating the same document. (laughs) And he's like, are you kidding me? This is your accounting division. (laughs) It's like, no wonder you guys suck. (laughs) You can't keep track of anything. Well, and I just, I can't, I can't even imagine because I know how hard it was with like four people doing a Google doc in college. And I can't imagine what 30 people who, I don't know. I I don't know what level of education people they were hiring, but I can't imagine it was like too high because they were, they were growing so fast that there's no way that they got all the candidates that they wanted to be in this company. So it was probably just honestly, just average level education people. And it was probably like, how can we do this? And what's the cheapest way to do it? google <laughs> okay yeah. that's just like it's like this is not how you run a business that that's just showing the the heart of the corporation like and i think it was mark stidham like he was trying to get rich quick so he's like well I don't know, why pay for something he said they bit they bought stuff and then he's like it didn't work and it's like i think you just were trying to figure out how can i do this for free because i'm lazy and cheap <laughs> <laughs> to some extent like to some extent it's like they were so they had just started in like the business that they didn't probably know what software to buy to do stuff like this so i kind of understand that but at the same time you're making millions of dollars you cannot be funneling a million dollars through a google spreadsheet that's operated by 30 different people 
Like that has to be, there has to be good documentation of that. And they got called for it on by like the IRS. And that's how they ended up being able to be sued is like, none of your numbers are good. (laughs) It's like you, you're making money and like, but we have no record of like how much product you actually sold, but yet you're claiming that you made $2 billion on pants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, come on. That, like, most of the time, as I was seeing all these women wearing these clothes, I was like, these don't even look good. Like, they're really tacky. I think that was the Rush design team. Because, like, in the beginning, like, I heard that they were good. Like, they looked good. They felt good. People wanted them. It was just, like, those the the parties and stuff where they were all in the same room mm-hmm. wearing LuLaRoe. I was like, they all look terrible <laughs> oh and also when it went to the the facebook live part where it's like yeah this is how that like because of that just starting this is kind of why the company blew up but it just did this it showed three different women like going on the facebook live and just being way too optimistic like my face like contorted in horror i was just like it was so creepy how like positive and they're like hey everybody and i was like oh my gosh so it's, it's so weird yeah it's just really cringe <laughs> it's very cringe so yeah thank you everybody for listening to this rant about this documentary yeah and if you want to find it again it's called lula rich and it's on amazon prime video and stay away from people who's are offering a great opportunity and looking for like-minded individuals because we've actually both been there <laughs> All right. See you next time. Oh, yeah. And always you can reach reach out to our email, uh, onestreetover22 at gmail.com. And that'll be in the description. Peace. Bye.